So I have a question for Andres. Do you have work like your your company is just your your boss and that's it? I'm not gonna ask anything specifically about like who you work for, blah blah. But more so, do you have like dress code? Not really. I mean, no? there's nothing. Actually, I think there probably is something written in the employee there's manual. There's gotta be something, right? Yeah, I mean, it. I'm pretty certain I could show up to work in like a t-shirt and whatever and it wouldn't really be a big deal. I probably couldn't. As long as you're not like client facing, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's basically why I dress up sort of like decently. Yeah, what's your what's your attire like? What are you wearing? Uh what are you wearing on this? <laughs> yeah, tell me what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Talk to me what you're wearing. Hey. What are you wearing? Uh I usually just I mean, my wardrobe is pretty much the same outside of the shirt for yeah. no matter what. That's hot. So it's like just my normal shoes and socks Ooh. and then socks too. Nice. Uh I don't like this bit. <laughs> just moan. Just uh. <laughs> not even trying to go with the bit. Just uh. uh well, I mean you sound uh, so you're wearing they... a button up, which <laughs> go. Let's go. Okay. So the reason I asked <laughs> the reason I asked is because uh, Can I fucking answer the question before you I, move I on? I thought you were done. I thought you were done. I said I was done with the bit. I'm just going to fucking... <laughs> I just wear black pants and a fucking button-up. There you go. So, uh, oh, fuck. I just hated Manny's... <laughs> Manny's horse getting shot noise. <laughs> that, is, that is my signature move. The only t-shirts I wear are just plain striped t-shirt. Hmm. It would be super cool to see you go in with like a Thrasher shirt, you know, a Thrasher like button rock up. that shit. A Thrasher, yeah, Thrasher button ups. I remember um, Rooster Teeth used to sell polos that just had like the Rooster Teeth logo on the side, and I was just like, why? Why is this a thing? Well, maybe you want to look fancy. You want to rep while you go golfing or play polo. That's a good point. I hadn't even considered the idea of golf. Is, is are polo shorts? Them. Okay, go. Polo polo shorts? I thought polos were pants. I was No, I was I was saying uh our polo shirts uh do they actually originate from the sport of polo? Does that correlate? Hmm. I can only assume. <laughs> I just I was just, so you know, <laughs> Oh, my god, polo shirts. Go on Wikipedia. I had to buy a bunch. Is what I was gonna mention because I had to go to work and they were like, "Yeah, you need to just wear a polo. It's fine." And I was like, "I don't own any polos. Like, I don't have any." And like wearing a button up just kind of like, I don't really have like ones that I think are appropriate. Um, uh, they were used by polo players originally in India in 1859 and in Great Britain during the 1920s. Wow, damn! It is from polo. What a stupid people we are. Um, yeah, wow. me and it's Manny almost like it was in the name. Yes. <laughs> me and Manny specifically not <laughs> thinking it. Uh, so I had to go and like 
I just had to fucking find something. I don't know. I went to like a bunch of different stores and I was like, man, I'm, I'm fat. Like just like my shirt was like nice, but it like, I, it made my stomach look big and I was like, I'm pregnant. I look pregnant in this shirt. It's all about Ross, baby. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, but like, we are a Ross sponsored podcast. I remember it, I was talking to them and I was just like, so how important is dress code? Like, do I need to wear shoes and this, this, and they're like, no, you can, whatever you want to do is fine. Like, dress shoes, odd dress, not regular shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you can wear, I go, like, I came in with like these, like, there's these like dress casual shoes I bought at Cole Han, I think it is. But they look rubber. They look like I'm a like I'm a fucking toy, and I hate them. So I just started like I wore my Nikes one day, and they were like, "Yeah, that's fine. No one cares." Like who? Just as if you're gonna meet a client, you need to kind of dress up. And I was like, "When am I gonna meet a client?" In like four months. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, "Okay." Cool. <laughs> so you bought all your polos just to meet a client. I see. I see. Yep. Basically, shirts are kind of like shirts are a bit more. You just wear a collar. It's kind of all it is. And then pants for pants. I was like, this isn't too bad. I just stroll in skate shoes all the time, so. Damn. Just use some Heelys. Just walk in. <laughs> just glide. So those are, yeah, glide into your uh, your business meeting with them, Alexi. When you're when you're uh, trying to sell the product, when you're fixing it. Would you, you like can, some uh, tube in. fittings? Hold on, let me grind this tube fitting over here, and I just fucking Heely away. What was the ones that uh, that Sonic had? Yeah, those ones. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Being, I mean, I think, I think those situations are better than like the entertainment industry, because you have like very specific uniforms for like audio work, for example. Like it's always like, yeah, well, it's always like you dress black, you dress in like a polo, you dress in like black pants, and like you're meant to be. To be efficient but not seen, so it's like at least you get to like choose colors. I don't know. That's like really, it's a different different space. Yeah, yeah. You have to like. Oftentimes you're dressing in all black, which is why my clothes were all black for like a long time. Like that's part of it. It's part of it. I also like the absence of all color and hope. So. It's also very much like high art thing to dress in all black so mm-hmm. there is some yeah. pretension mm-hmm. to it Def- like my definitely dad, my dad bought a bunch of when, when he first started working at the company um like my mom would buy him clothes <laughs> and then one like after a while he was like i'm gonna buy my own clothes i'm an adult <laughs> man and blah, blah 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 and so he bought like red pants like red and then he had a shirt that was the exact same color and he was going to work. My mom woke up and was like, what are you wearing? She goes, he goes, I'm matching. She's like, that's not how matching works. Like, red shirt, red pants. And he looked like he was wearing like a jumpsuit. It was like, I was like this, this is so weird. And my mom was like, no, you can't do that. And like, he'd found like a teal shirt and he found teal pants. And I was like, dude, this is so weird. Stop finding this. Like, where are you going? And eventually, he was just, my mom was just like, just get kicked. Khakis, black pants, don't get colored pants anymore. And he was like, I, I, <laughs> I love and respect you, but I'm not going to listen to what you just said. I love blue pants. <laughs> like just, he was just like, <sighs> so happy. I was like, all right, good for you, man. Who, who cares anymore? 
maybe also works, but I guess that's that's tipping the line of just we've we're afraid of giving him any leeway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, what a terrible segue we're about to have. <laughs> um, Speaking of dressing in all one color. Ooh! Ooh wow. You got it. Good one. We Man, should we pay a, you, we need, my friend. We need a soundboard. We need like a segue yeah. sound soundboard. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, so this week we read Jonathan Hickman. Um, and let me get the artist. I'm sorry. I, Jonathan Hickman with Nick Dragoda. Uh, East of West, which is a monthly comic that appeared in, uh, for six years, March 2013 to December 2019, 45-issue run uh, by Image Comics, and it says in the, it is a science fiction western, which is pretty cool, set in dystopia version of the U.S., um, and one of the first things I want to ask you guys is, did you guys have, Manny should have it, there's a map um, on the book. In the cup front, like in the cover, did you know there's a map on dress? I know you read it online, like I did. I there's a map. Where is this don't map? Don't think I saw it. Check the inside cover. Um, um and if... it might it might be only on like the the year omnibuses because I don't. I don't. I I, don't I know I have it. it. Check the back and cover. Have... Um, I mean, I can show you what it looks like. So for our listeners, it is stripes. Just are those stripes. Try one and more page the... in between. All right, what about the other, the first one? Really? The beginning? Yeah, the very, very beginning. Okay. Here we go That's to the beginning. No, I nothing? Know. Okay, well, I have um, one, two, three, four, five, six. I thought it was a Seven Nations. Maybe this oh, isn't that's correct. cool. Uh, oh, cool. Um, so the Union is the north all the way up through about Kansas, which is where armistice happened. A confederacy is till about Georgia. I'm really bad at geography. Um, <laughs> Texas is Texas. <laughs> um, eight, the PRA, which is um, the China uh, occupied area, is all of these coasts up until about New Mexico, I believe. You mean and the then, West Coast? Yeah, West Coast. Thank you. Uh, Endless Nation, which is a phenomenal fucking name every time, is the Midwest, uh, Upper North Midwest, whatever. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Up North. <laughs> and then uh, the Burning <laughs> the burning Plan is the middle, and then Armor Stance is in Kansas. I remember that's what... Uh, I don't know if they specifically mentioned that in the comics, but I was reading other stuff, and they said like it happens in Kansas. They just kind of say it oh, happens cool. uh, somewhere else. Yeah, um, I don't think they ever mentioned that it's Kansas, at least in the first two volumes, but first two the first uh 10 issues of the comic but yeah here's yeah. a one with all the characters uh above them um oh damn I'm, I'm like going through and i'm seeing a bunch of other art that i found and i'm really glad that my favorite panel is in this in the 10 issues too um anyway okay uh so i wanted to ask you guys that because i thought that was one of my favorite parts about um one of my favorite things that any media can do is to show me a map that shit's that's how you get me. And a lot of like fantasy novels do it, you know? They're like, here's our map of the world. And it's just kind of like, this is England. Like, this is 100% England, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this is a really, really cool run. Uh, I describe this as uh, every single person on the planet is now speaks as if they're a philosopher. And a bunch of weird shit happens that 
doesn't need to be explained and is never really explained. Like, what exactly is the technology? Like, why? What is this, that, and the other? Of like, what is the limit technology? What's the expansion? They they don't focus too much on those details. It really is just about these characters and what's going on with them. Um, and I love it. It's really cool. It's one of my favorite things I've read in a long time. Um, I own, thanks to a buddy named Marcos, he gave me an issue one of East of West. I, I meant to go grab it. Uh, I'll look for it when we take a break of, of it, and it's graded. I'll go find it right now, and I'll show it to you guys for our weekly prop. And, uh, yeah, it's written by Jonathan Hickman. He has written tons of cool things. I'll talk about him later. And then I don't really know too much about uh, Nick uh, Dragota, but I know they had collaborated previously, and that was the reason this came up. Um, they kind of were like, we want to work together. Uh, Hickman said, I have a Western. Dragota said, I want to write, I want to draw science fiction. And then that's how it came to be. And it's very, a unique story for sure. Like I've never seen anything close to this kind of story in the idea of like America, America splinters in time from the point of the civil war. Maybe one or two I've heard about that. Um, and then, but then it's just like, it's not just America, there's China, there's this, there's this giant religion that kind of exists. Um, mm-hmm. And some things are kind of just accepted and normal, like um, crow, wolf, and death are all just like white or black skinned, as in like the color of white and the color of like solid black, not like skin tones. And people are just like, yeah, what's <laughs> up? Like no one ever really mentions that to me, which is like so weird when people meet the other three horsemen and they have blue skin, no one is like, this dude's fucking blue. Like, maybe I shouldn't mess with him. They're kind of just, like, taking him at face value. So I, I really do enjoy that part. Um, uh, I want Nick Dragota's Twitter. Nick Dragota's Twitter is at Nick Dragota, and it just says East of West. <laughs> There's nothing else <laughs> in the detail. He has I other have, uh, artwork. It's info. really funny. Yeah, of yeah, course. Well, yeah, Nick, so uh, in, the, in the back of the, like, tradebacks, um, says that Nick Dragota's career began at Marvel Comics working on titles as varied as Ecstatics, uh, The Age of Century, X-Men First Class, Captain America Forever Allies, and Vengeance. Um, But that this uh, East of West is Nick's first creator-owned project at Image. So Mm, Cool. Love it. Um, But yeah, this is one of my favorite series. Um, It's super fun, super... uh, I think it pays off really well. I think a a lot of it um really builds up well and makes you really care about these characters it's only 45 issues so that's nine trades um i'm gonna definitely be reading it again because when i first read it i read up to 40 and it's only 45 and so like i had to wait each month and you know Mm. sometimes you forget the beginning of the story i totally forgot about some of these characters um and not in like a way like they would show up later on but i was like oh this guy like i had no idea um like the ranger um Mm -hmm. he's one of my favorites he's really cool but he doesn't show up for like i think he takes like a break and like is doing things uh because a lot of time passes during these like i was saying we were saying earlier the omnibuses are three omnibuses section off by year of like in story time so that's pretty wild you know like (laughs) this Mm -hmm. isn't just like a some stories are just like in one night the world changed this is like no like time had to happen they travel when they go through the spire, it takes, they're like, we've been walking for two days. Like, what are we going to do here? Like that's, mm-hmm. and they, it's like a throwaway line. Cause you just kind of read it and then they can do their stuff. But that's, <laughs> yeah, it's wild to think about. Uh, so as usual, I just want to ask you guys, 
what you guys thought about it. If you guys, uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, whatever you guys want. I definitely, uh, there's time, if I have to say one dislike, I will say sometimes with Nick Drago's art, the eyes make me laugh a little bit. Like he, His faces are so animated in a way that it's like really fun. And the eyes can be such like gigantic, not, I guess not even a dislike, it is, it's something I really do enjoy about it. Because they, they're so huge and expressive. Uh, like when they're freaking out, like when Death is screaming at uh, the president of the union, <laughs> he's just kind of like fucking wild and crazy. It's so good. Uh, I don't have any dislikes. Obviously, I, I can. I dislike that came out monthly, and it took me forever to reread it again. <laughs> uh, Andre, you can go first. I really enjoyed it. I there's definitely just something in me that really loves westerns, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was just. Uh, my mom also really loves westerns, so I mean she, that's like kind of the the spaghetti western eras, mm-hmm. which he grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's just part of me that really likes that vibe. So it was a lot of fun to read. It was very interesting, just in general, like the concept and very much so reminded me of some of my favorite manga so it wasn't like too unfamiliar from what i'm used to at least uh my first note is just something i will bring up right now is uh verbatim i put on god i feel like such an idiot reading american comics the wrong way <laughs> so <laughs> it's been quite a long oh, yeah quite a bit since i've actually read an american comic but really i i go i i usually i try to do one in one i try to do a manga and then a comic manga and a comic to keep it just like fresh but like now the manga dex is back i'm like all into like just catching up on series i haven't read <laughs> yeah i'm just kind of fully in manga and maybe if there's a comic that catches my eye i'll read it or an american comic but it's just i i only really interact with manga so the internet algorithms only give me manga to look at so. yes <laughs> Uh, Manny, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I I have a uh, very similar feelings to Andres. I um, this is your like mom also grew up watching I've... spaghetti westerns. Basically, I mean, very very similar. Not 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 my mom though, but so uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I got gotcha, you, bitch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, <laughs> um, no. So uh, I I haven't read like on a like an American comic in forever, and I, we were just talking about how uh. Like, like after the last episode we did that, I wanted to like read more comics and get back into them. Uh, and that this episode definitely satisfied that. And not only because it's, Hon- it's a comic, you were the but- only reason I recommended this. I, I totally forgot. I, I, it's the thing I've, I know I love this series. I had forgotten about it. And so you were mentioning it. I was like, yeah, I will be perfect. Thanks. <laughs> so like, yeah, you're the reason <laughs> I recommend this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I, well, I'm, thank you for doing it because it's good. Uh, I, I love not only like I I love all comics. Um I I was never a big American comic reader. Um but when I did read them, the the stories I would read would often be one-shots. They'd be like mm-hmm. one-shot graphic novels. They would be these types of uh sort of 
more indie uh, vibes, less stereotypical uh, superhero storylines. Um, and I think that East of West actually fits that storytelling mold really, really well. Um, not only in terms of content, but also in like the way that it uh, it tells its story. Like you were saying, I actually started to pick up a, a little bit on the fact that they don't really care about building the world's tech-oriented um, side. It really is sort of a lo- this lore that gets built up, at least in the first two trades. It's mm-hmm. it's really about the um, the characters and the apocalypse that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it felt like super, super, super character driven for me, which I really like because that's like those are the types of uh, like American comic graphic novel style things that I really enjoy. So so, yeah, my first that's sort of like some some back history. And and my grandfather actually loves Westerns like John Wayne Westerns with like a passion. Really? Um, yeah. So like connections to this. I know it's it's weird because I before I would go to like elementary school, I would go to my grandparents' house and they, I would, I would show up really early cause my mom had to work and I would get there at like four 30 in the morning and like sleep for a couple of hours. And the way that I would sleep is by my grandpa throwing on a Western on like old, on those old timey TV stations. I forget what they are. It's like, it's not AMC. It might be AMC. TV land. Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of those. Both of those. Um, Good job, Andrew. And so, yeah. So I would just show up, and then, like, you would see, like, black and white westerns playing. And, like, I would just, like, go to sleep to those. And and on on my good days, I would actually uh, stay up and watch them. So, so I have, like, a weird, like, nostalgia for westerns. Mm-hmm. Um and this definitely scratched that itch. And I, and I also think that the thing that did it for me was, I think it was less about the setting and and way more about the characters and and the story that's being told. Because it to me, it's a it's like traditional vengeance story, like a like a revenge story. That's that's at least from at least the way I'm reading this now, it's like an apocalypse. But really, death is going on this mission to save his son um mm-hmm. at least that's where we're at now right mm-hmm. uh and and also it has like these westerny flashbacks where you get to see what happened in the past with uh like Xiao Li- Lian, i think is is her name mm-hmm. um and and you see like these i don't know for some reason it just reminded me so deeply of like kill bill um have either of you seen kill bill at all i've yes. seen i've seen Parts. and i know i'd like it i just keep one of the things i i'm so bad at watching stuff but yeah i've seen parts yeah so so in the so it's uh kill bill is actually sort of unique in that it's like a it's a western that has uh a lot of japanese influence um because of the relationship in, to, in cinema to those two uh film genres but I think the thing that did it for me in, uh, in referencing kill bill was the fact that like the entire story is based around uh, the lead character in Kill Bill essentially mm-hmm. being like brought to the brink of death by like a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then both volumes are her getting revenge. So it, yeah. it has this like it has like this revenge arc set up that I that I started to pick up on a little bit. And I think it's only because of deaths 
like aggressiveness. I think it's because he has this like persona to him that is really like no fucks given, like it's everything is best. mine. It's yeah, so he's like so good. He's so badass. Uh yeah. so aggressive. <laughs> and so and so when I was uh when I was reading it, like those are the things I really picked up on. But but overall I really enjoyed the the story so far. Yeah, it's been great. Uh it definitely to me gets better. There's a lot of like be- secret relationships we don't know about yet that are like Oh, like these people know each other, these people like they have this history, like there's a lot of that as like it comes up and it never feels shoehorned if you think about it. Like sometimes they're just like, Oh my god, we've been related this whole time. It's like, oh no, like these people just have a history, but they've never come across. And then it's like, oh, like that's why he's like this and this and this. And that's why he's like this, this and this. Like, oh, it explains a lot. It feels very earned. It feels very well it's just very well written. And Jonathan has uh, Jonathan Hickman has so many stories like this he um i'm gonna now also because of the uh hoopla app which i read it on which is a library based like uh media app where i can get comics and get novels like audiobooks stuff like that um there is one called uh, hickman's avengers run is really cool um it does a really it has really good art and it kind of spans this like really long storyline where they go to like space and like have to fight certain people and this and the other. It's like very, very well written and like very grand. He's very good at writing like these big stories. Like, you know, sometimes like some, some writers can only really, really keep it like to a small thing, but like to be able to be like, while this is happening, this is happening. Uh, while death is confronting the Oracle, these people are meeting and talking about money that could be, made for each other like it's very and like those things do build up and like worked it's not like they're separate things going on everything matters and it feels really cool so he's like a, just a phenomenal writer um other things he's written just so i can get that off my head oh no no control shifty um he's written a thing called the manhattan project um which is really good i need to remember what it's about but i read part of it uh another alternate history story at the end of world war ii in which the manhattan project was a front for more esoteric science fiction ideas um i read a little bit of it i think i got through the first trade it's pretty good um it's it's quite good actually yeah is it i've read i've yeah i've read the first trade uh as well and and part of the second trade uh it's definitely way 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 sci-fi heavy Mm -hmm. uh so if you're into sci-fi it's a great read for sure and it also it also has exactly the the trademark storytelling that you're you're saying he he -hmm. has it's very much that way. He wrote um, this very good series for the Fantastic Four, which I also intend to read, called FF, um, which is just like a... It's I remember uh, a little bit of spoiler, but at the end of it, he's like, is FF is... Does it mean anything else besides Fantastic Four? He goes, oh, it's always meant family first. And like the whole point is it's a book about family. It's, it's not all Fantastic Four is, and it's like very well done, and uh, they just do good stuff with it. Um, there is... One recently, let me see, I'm trying to find it. Oh, he wrote Ultimates. I didn't know that. Um, Oh, he wrote a new X-Men run. Uh, There's like a new, again, a retelling of things. And um, Mm -hmm. this one had like three starting issues. I think it was like House of X. um, X of Swords is one, the other one called. And then like Legion of X. I think that's probably wrong. Um, But like 
three stories about three teams and they're all intermingled again. So like he's very again very good at doing this, and I I fully respect it as like a but like a pseudo writer myself. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say that's a really interesting way to describe yourself. D and D modules are not writing in my opinion, and I've done short stories <laughs> and I've done things, but I'm not a writer. Like it's so hard for me to write. I just like stories. Uh, but I wanted to talk about just the first trade. If anyone had any uh, comments on it, I have a lot of pages I want to reference. I did a lot of more notes on the first one than the second one because the second volume I was just really enjoying my read. <laughs> it. Um, I think it would be really cool to just talk about the opening a little bit. Um, cool. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um. Go go ahead. Do you want to do you want to start off or should I kick it off? Um. I want to just say I love how this it feels again so dramatic and like every line feels like a line that could be so grandose on its own but he writes again like a just a philosopher trying to shit all over the page (laughs) and in the best way possible like it opens with the dream is over like what the fuck does that mean it can mean a million different things and that can be in the middle of a story in the end of a story and it'll still be like something you think about um it opens with this like beautiful like full panel of these like rock towers and there's this basin with like symbols on the bottom just beautiful art uh all the way down um i think the the thing that really struck me about the beginning here is it doesn't it doesn't really try to hold your hand in terms of the storytelling at all it just drops you in and you go and and i think that that was the feeling not only for the introduction of the the three horsemen of the apocalypse at the beginning but also um right after that when you actually start the first uh quote-unquote start the first uh the first issue um it just drops you into the lore immediately and like you sort of need a little bit of understanding about like american history right like you need to sort of know about the civil war um and there's also all of these references to a variety of sort of historical figures. Um, like you sort of, you get a, you get a drop of Mao in there, right? And, and Mao is important as a, as a sort of Chinese name and a Chinese family. And I, 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 I just loved, it, it just really went for it. And I, I was not expecting it to. Um, I was really expecting it to be like, okay, so here's where we're at. Like here are the here are the three horsemen. Here is exactly what you know this sort of me- how this message is unfolding. But it it's much more vague than that, um, and I I really love that part of it. Also, the art is gorgeous, so gorgeous. The colors, yeah, the colors in these two trades are phenomenal. Shout out to the color artist. When did this come out again? Uh, twenty thirteen, I believe. Um, March 2013, and it ended in December 2019. Because it definitely reminded me a lot of the... Because when I was really young, I would read comics, and then there's a pretty large break, and then I got back into comics as like a teenager. I don't know exactly when. It was was when uh, the first original civil war was going on with marvel Mm. so this art style really uh reminded me of all that stuff oh yeah 
I'm trying Alexi to is looking up Civil War, and it is a, a picture of the movie cover. <laughs> the, there's a movie poster. I wanted to find what it released. Um, well, this is not helpful. Well, I mean, oh, whatever. It, you sort of get um, a you sort of get a impression of how the the coloring and art style feels from what you showed us. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with you, Andres. It's I totally agree with you. It, it feels that early. there's definitely like phases of art. I guess is a good way of saying it. like for like the general tone of what Marvel wants to look like, and it always you know mm-hmm. yeah things change. And when I like but. saw the about the authors thing at the end, mm-hmm. it definitely made sense when I saw that uh, Nick Dragota had like was involved in Marvel Comics, even though like he, I don't, I kind of doubt that he was the driving force behind the art style at Marvel or whatever. But mm-hmm. it made a lot of sense that he was a part of that camp. It says they. Uh, Hickman and Jagoda had met when they collaborated on Fantastic Four for Marvel, and they just kind of they liked working together. You know, one of those a thing of just like we we get it. You know, you you can the pick the words I'm saying you can draw, and that's important. Like that is kind of you know to find a person who vibes with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the colorist is Frank Martin. Shout out to Frank Martin. I was trying to find your name earlier and Frank I couldn't Martin. find it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I remember we said this last time. I was like, Nick Jagoda drew it, and I love the colors. And we're like, he was, it was colored by someone else, actually. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Nick Jagoda. Um, but yeah, they do like, they open it in such a weird way. Like, people are birthed from stone out of like lightning. Um, they're kids. They're like, you know, 10, maybe? Yeah, I think, I think they say that they're six at one point. Um, one of them says he's like getting murdered by a six-year-old. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. But like, it doesn't. I hope feel like they're six. no. It feels like they're like preteen, maybe teen. Um, it's famine. That's the skeleton-looking one, right? Or is that yes. war? That's that's uh, famine. I think it's it's famine, war, conquest. Conquest blue, wars red, famine's a. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell what how old fan would be. Just... Yeah, they're they're no they're not teenagers for sure. No, yeah, they're they're we'll supposed to be way. young. They're supposed to be childlike. Even Conquest, um, who's got that belly. They, I just love. Um, I I really do love this series for just how fucking like we're saying like here's it is here's what's going on, and that one part when they're just like. They they emerge and they're like, where is he? Where's like where's death? And we don't know it's death at this time. Um, and then they say we roll and we find out the truth. And they roll like bones, teeth, coins, bullets and stuff. And they, and they say like the eye, the feather, the bullet, the bone. No mistaking that. And it's just like <laughs> that means something. Like what the like what does it mean? And like of course they're gonna explain it, but it is again like there's no hand holding. And I really do love a story that isn't like like I read one series called Kaiji um ultimate gambler or survivor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's really it's good it's a cool series but there's points where they're just like explaining every little detail and it just drags and like you don't want to read more but this one is so much like yeah they explain to you what happened with the history and stuff but it's like they I mean, they don't tell you what the civil war is they assume you know what the civil war is right mm-hmm. they don't tell you why they fought and they don't tell you this and the other 
there's now chiefs here. You're gonna take that there's chiefs here. The meat the um, this yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much to say if you guys want to check over because I'm getting all fumbled up in my words. I and think just in general, like the way a lot of narratives tend to work is either they start at the very beginning and kind of like take you on a journey from zero or a lot of the time they'll just kind of drop you in the center and mm -hmm. let you figure things out as it goes along mm -hmm. what's the term for that in media res is that true oh, oh that i do not know yeah i don't term. know the term no, I think in media res is like like in the middle of something. Damn, yeah, you got to you got to turn in or into the middle of a sequence of events. Damn, as a literary narrative. Yep. So we are technically like I, I guess you could say this is the beginning because this is like when they're being born and there is a history, but like we didn't see them die and we know they lived. So like I would say this is kind of a good in media res, if but a perfect start. I don't know whatever the fuck. Yeah. I would agree. Um, but yeah, go ahead. I would agree. I think that, that that's a fair assessment. And uh, because if you think about the way that the flashbacks work, um, those are like pretty critical to the story. And so like, I mean, it, I guess it really depends on how you classify the story. You know, d does the story begin mm -hmm. when when uh, death meets uh, like Xiaolian, for example? Or is it is it does the story begin when they're reborn? You know. So you just think about it like that, I guess. I guess, this, like we're saying in the omnibuses, to take a peek behind the curtain, um, mm -hmm. they're saying stuff like apocalypse year one. So I guess it's like the beginning of the apocalypse is when we start our story. Mm -hmm. The horsemen being born again. They yeah, they have existed, but them being born again is now like how they are. Yeah, and... If I but anyway. if I remember correctly, it was it was like roughly a decade between those events and the beginning of this story. Uh, he was gone for like ten years. Um, they mentioned that when he's talking to like the to Shao 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 Leon. Mm -hmm. I need I don't know I don't know how to say her name either. Um, let's get Google Translate on that shit. Um, <laughs> let's get um, our resident expert at uh, foreign languages Andres, to tell us how to say it. <laughs> Um, but him, him, he says he's gone for 10 years and I know I've read it and they, I'm pretty sure they talk about where he goes, but they might not at all. I can't even remember, but like, it's been so long since I've read this story in like a uh, sitting. So I'm, I think I might either, I might recommend this again in like a little bit and being like, we're going to hold off on reading this as like a group. And then maybe we come back and read like two more trades just to keep like, and like read this whole series together. But, um, maybe, maybe we, I just am like gonna read this all at one time i don't know but i think that might be fun yeah, we, we we might be able to do that but then i think if that happens then i want to give andres the leeway to do k on because uh yeah i i'm definitely trying to make it so we have permission to do stuff <laughs> like this because i know yeah, i know I mean, you it's andres. definitely possible we can work something out we'll see okay um andres do you have anything to say like about any part of the first trade the beginning to start with um i didn't really come up with any like super specific notes just because <laughs> as the person editing uh i find that's not the best for uh just the listening public <laughs> but um 
Uh, I have one one thing already on this page. On the, I don't know what page number this is. I'm sorry. It is uh, the second, basically, exposition of all the lore. The part where it says, uh, The Accords were signed to Armistance, the epicenter of the event, on November 9th, 1908. It was significant, historic, and the third most important thing to happen that day. Like, that's just such a badass fucking line of saying, like, yeah, this was the end of wars, and that's still not the coolest thing that happened today. <laughs> like, it's just so rad. I just, I just love everything about this. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely, uh, Jonathan Hickman has a way with words, for sure. The, the, his, like, language diction choice is great. That's one thing I noted is that there's a lot of quotables in this comic. <laughs> that and I really love Crow's design. She just looks oh, cool yeah. as hell. Yeah, she's so badass. Um, what does he say here uh, when they when Death enters the bar? Like, hey, uh, you can't drink here. Like, you're not allowed to drink with, uh, like, basically anyone from the nation is what they call. Him. And he's just like, oh, don't worry, Wolf doesn't drink. And the crow, she would never drink here. Like, I think it's like such a cool line of like, she doesn't fucking like you either. Like, fuck <laughs> off. Like, give me my alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I think I wonder if that if if, you know, like clever wordplay is is built into like Westerns because I think it is. I think like as a as a cinematic art form and like a story like Westerns are noted for having like this sort of like badass, like direct, almost arrogant tone to some of their lead male characters um and also if you think about kill bill as like as as like a a a hybrid western sort of thing uh the main character of kill bill is also pretty like badass and sort of like no fucks taken so i think that that that's like a i wonder if that's a characteristic thing for westerns looking at the archetypes of main western characters just off the top of my head, you have like Clint Eastwood, John <laughs> Wayne, like they're all painted as badasses in their movies, respectively. Mm-hmm. America as like a country loves the idea of like a one man like taking charge and like leading, you know? Mm. Like it's kind of like we definitely are one of those cultures who are like, we love this person who. We love Captain America because he can solve everything by himself and he's going to take care of us and like, <laughs> solve it, you know, to, to be to get a less shittier person than Clint Eastwood a job <laughs> to come into it. Yeah. Um, and, and then to counter with all like with the manga we read and where it's a very collectivistic culture of like we work together and we're friends and like, like, yeah, death has his two people and he needs them. Like, it's very obvious he needs how fucking strong Crow and Wolf are. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the guy like he he's deaf and he's gonna say a lot of cool fucking shit we're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah exactly um the flashbacks are so good they're like seeing like how death was like pure black before is such a good interesting concept like it you don't really know why he is the way he is and that's when his wife is like you look different he's like yeah I've, I've seen some shit for the past 10 years also. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. I just put two and two together there. I thought she was making a comment about how rugged he was, but it makes sense because he was like pure black before. I'm, yeah. I'm slow. Yeah. I'm a I little slow. Picked up on that. Oh, okay. Really? I was, I, it's one of the first. I remember when I was like, I'm like, why is this? Whoa. And like, he's. It's just so counter. Like, he, he looks like a man with his blue eyes in as his now mm-hmm. and in the past he 
It's just kind of like white voids are his eyes. He doesn't have human's eyes. And eyes are kind of important in the story as they go along, especially in like the next few pages when this guy's fucking eyeball opens up and it can talk. <laughs> like, what the... Like, it just, again, like, more and more shit's happening. Yeah. Well, I guess just, like, in general, the whole uh, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse thing was kind of giving me some vague uh, Full Metal Alchemist vibes. Like, mm. just the whole concept of this and the questionably, like, they don't really... It it feels like kind of manufactured end of the world, like these people are trying to push for the end of the world rather than just letting it happen, uh, which also gave me some heavy Evangelion vibes, just yeah, uh, yeah. the way the way that uh, Sele kind of works in that that show slash manga, I guess if you want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I would agree. It has like it has those elements of almost like this this like it, to me when I was reading it, it has this very impending doom feeling and I know that that's partially because of the apocalypse, but it also doesn't feel like it's a final thing. So it feels it really does feel like there's a struggle happening, not just in terms of the narrative that's being told, but like there's this like back and forth motion um mm. uh that I really I really enjoyed. Um, like I can never really tell if the chosen are going to get further along in their project or not. Um, and then it sort of goes back mm-hmm. and forth because death is omnipresent. Apparently travels a lot. <laughs> and then how very like different the chosen are and how much like they worship and follow the method versus like the clear people who are like, I'm here to keep living one more day. And like mm-hmm. the new, when Madam president joins and she's just like, the message is this, this, and this, and then the horseman's like, "Shut the fuck up, dude! Like, <laughs> we're doing like we know what we're doing. You're new here, like, relax. <laughs> like, like those because it's like they're supposed to all be working for the same thing, but they clearly already don't like they don't like each other. Clearly, none of them like each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about more parts in specific later. Uh, to go back to the beginning, there's this. This is the part I always uh, would think about when I would mention like how different these people speak to our like day and age where um the the tracker he goes doesn't your kind have plenty of experience with men selling their souls just to breathe one more breath and it's just like yo like this guy's supposed to be like some hick dude (laughs) running a bar and he's talking like he's just this verbose man and like maybe that it was but like if i was watching some frontier era show with my mom and all of them spoke with like this very like weird structure to it that it's very cool and interesting but like they were just like we work on a farm but like don't you wreck blah 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 like it was interesting to me that maybe this is kind of how people talk and we need to go back to it because it sounds like yeah it's like a trend of speaking in hyperbole i think um that's like a Mm -hmm. pretty popular thing and i do think that that has a place in like old western cinema too um definitely yeah. I mean that that didn't really catch my eye and I think it's just because like it it seems like something you could hear in the good the bad and the ugly <laughs> they're all supposed to be relatively uneducated people. Hmm. 
Um, another thing I want to talk about, because this is something I always pay attention to, um, Death's horse. Like, I never really called it a horse. You don't really think of it as a horse. He just has this creature. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. There's a panel later on where, like, all of, four of the horsemen have horses. Um, I don't think they do later on, or maybe there's this, definitely a part where they do, but it is kind of like his constant companion, and it's like a very just like, it works, it exists, it's alive, it's not, it like it's, it can do these things, it can shoot like Cyclops optic blasts that like <laughs> decimate everything, and it's super cool. Um, I but yeah, it's it's super weird. Go ahead. I don't know where, but I swear I've seen something with like a very similar concept of just something you can ride and has like a optic cannon on the front. Mm-hmm. And I really can't remember where. It, it's probably a manga or a anime of some sort because that happens. There's There are a couple of those types of things in a lot of sci-fi manga. I mean, like as, as a, as a, as a, like as a tech, like a sci, a sci-fi futuristic tech thing. It's a pretty trademark like design, I think. And I I have a very strong feeling it's coming from like a manga that I that I've read cuz I I thought the same thing. I was like, "Wow, this feels like a uh, one of those like OP uh OP machines that uh like a, a anime <laughs> yeah. protagonist would have or something, you know." Um it's yeah, it's weird, it's cool. There's definitely like a scene later where like it's failing and like the reactor's like dripping, if you know what I'm talking about. Like the mm-hmm. red parts like dripping on the floor. I've always loved that. That panel stuck with me a long time. So I think it's super. Is it in? Is it in? Um, volume one and two. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll get to it. I probably um, I, we'll I forgot it. That sounds cool. I, I Hoopla was really cool because when I I did this thing where I tapped it and it would zoom in on each panel, and I definitely suffer from like I just want to read and look at the big pictures. I will like skip like i a manga is an art form that you look at each panel so you can understand pacing and stuff and i'm so bad at reading that sometimes so like i was glad that i i tapped it and it like forced me to like zoom in on each one uh let me see i found i remember where that panel is uh for for folks following mm-hmm. along it the, it's during the the people's republic of where you find the pra yeah, the pra yeah mm-hmm. um here is the first one. The, this is the first thing that I remember. It stuck with me really well. Um, Death is visiting the president. Uh, president says, you, we killed you. And then it shows his face when he was like all black. Mm. And now it's like white. And it's like a perfect contrast to who he is. Yeah, that's really good. Um, that's a that's a beautiful way of, of looking at it, actually. Yeah. I I On the reread, it, I definitely got a lot more out of it. Um, but this whole page where he's giving him, he's like about to kill him. And he, <laughs> it's really weird. I really love this idea of like, he's forcing people to say his name for some reason. And like how powerful his name is. Um, and just this line of like, if you find hell lonely, wait, because company is coming soon. And then he just fucking shoots the hell out of him. I, I was hooked instantly when i read this i oh i would recommend this thanks to one of my comic buddies uh he used to work at a comic shop and it was aaron phenomenal human being and i would just ask him like what do i read now like 
I don't want to read comics. I want to read something. Uh, I don't read Marvel comics right now. I want to read something interesting. And he would just go and be like, uh, you're going to like this one. He gave a company East of West. He recommended the boys. Um, he got me into D and D. So like, he's a very like important person to me. Uh, but I remember this was like the first one that I was like, Oh, I'll, this is amazing. Um, but yeah, the, apparently this sold out for issue one sold out in, in the first day, I think. Uh, in the week of its release, mm. which is kind of like a big deal. Yeah, I remember. I remember it being really, really popular. Like when, when the, I remember seeing, maybe like issues ten through something being put out, um, on shelves, uh, or on racks, I should say. Whatever, who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, um. I remember people saying like, "Oh, you should get that. You should get that. You should buy that." It was like when it came out, it was really, really popular. And if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. Manhattan Project came before, and I remember it being really popular as well. But I don't know if that's true. Um, I think you're gonna be right. Uh, 2012, 2014. Um, oh, it was a really short. Is when was, Manhattan Project. Went. That, that seems really short. Is it like uh, like twenty something? It was the series is ongoing and began a monthly ongoing series began in March twenty twelve to critical acclaim and the series was relaunched as Manhattan Project: The Sun Beyond the Stars on March eleventh twenty fifteen. I wonder why. Um, and it's twenty five issues, yeah. so like, maybe he was running both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Seems like Jeez. it. That's wild. That's a lot of work. I can't even like. That's a lot of work to do this. Um, and then I wanted to go back to the president being shot in the face of the comic book. This is not a threat. I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> so he shoots him. And then it's it's the narrator saying, you wanted the end times. Well, here they are. And it's kind of, to me, it feels like death saying it to them. These people who are like trying to bring about the apocalypse. And he's like, I'm here. I'm going to fucking be your ap- apocalypse. And it, it can be both. It can be a narrator telling us. It could be him thinking it to himself. And I just love how that works so well. Joe Biden. And that's the end of the first issue. That's the end of the first issue. I I think that's a really... I didn't really consider this for a long things. It's kind of something I, I've gotten more interested in as I've been reading more uh, Shonen Jump. Um, things get like weekly releases and if they don't really hook you, it's never gonna... It, they need to get their hooks into you to make sure they keep producing. This is a really solid, cool like first issue. It asks you a lot of questions that you do definitely want to hear the answer to. Um, but then it kind of, people were like, yeah, this has tons of potential. And then issue two comes and it's really cool also where they're like going through this whole, I think they, they do like nine people before they get to the new president, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. One, two, three. It really teaches you four, about the five. executive <laughs> branch of the government and how Yeah. just reminds me of back in the. A couple of years ago, how people are trying to calculate how to get Bernie as president and like having <laughs> to have like 20 people die before that actually happened. <laughs> That's another thing I really like about about this series in general so far is is there's like a pretty big political undertone that sort of runs through a lot of what happens. And I think it's mainly because it is involving these like disparate nations who each have a chosen in them. Um, and so I think that that's like a, 
they sort of serve like a political purpose. I don't know it because it seems like the political stuff is really secondary, but it sort of comes to the forefront in the second volume, second trade. They, yeah, when they tell the president like, "Hey, your people are being shitty, and like we need calm cattle, like calm these people." Like it is the reason they're the chosen is because they're leading their nations or have some kind of sway in them. Mm. Um, and like Bell Solomon's the governor, Archibald is the president of the union. Madam President, um, John Freeman is a prince. He's the crown prince, at least. You know, that has a lot of sway. Mm-hmm. Um, she, the daughter of the PRA. That's fine, I think. Who am I missing? Uh, there's Chavoyo. Chavoyo is, he's a part of, he's just a part of the thing, but he has like a lot of sway and power to mm-hmm. it. Like an, he's like I an elder of the, of a, of the, yeah. the nation. Yeah. The endless nation. Um, I didn't notice this when she's sworn in. The she's not swearing in on a Bible. She's swearing in on the message. Whoa! I didn't notice. That's really cool. Do you learn more well, about? It hasn't uh, happened. Uh, isn't it supposed to be if a uh, whoever's sworn in as president, they can choose what to be sworn in on? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, attention to detail. Attention to detail. That's cool. Um. Like in real, if if someone was like I, I'm Jewish, right? They can swear on like the Torah, Torah is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. That, that's we are a Jewish po- Jewish podcast um, now. We're a Jewish anti-animal podcast. <laughs> um, let me see. Let me get some more pages I want to talk about. But uh, what anything else from you guys so far about like the first issue, or you want to just go through all my little my little pages that I recommended to myself? I was just going to say, I thought choosing, or I guess this is more towards like the second volume, but uh, yeah. choosing the Civil War as like the massive turning point for the United States uh, seemed very interesting. I call, or in my notes, I said it was fairly idealized conditions, though, because in the Civil War era, there's no way in hell they would have given black americans their own part of the country but <laughs> yeah I, I think that that's a that i think the i was thinking about that too as i read it and the way i interpreted it is that the the comet crashing or or whatever like right this asteroid hitting earth uh causing this thing um was meant to be taken as such like a spiritual event almost sort of like this like spiritually shaking event um because there's a lot of reference to like you know it was like god stopped the earth just to pass down judgment uh was like that quote or something um and so i think that the idea behind that is that it was like so reality shattering that they were like okay well yeah here you go you get new orleans (laughs) but (laughs) i don't know i i do agree i think it's very idealized do you, do you have that quote mm-hmm. there? Right here is, um, there are those that say the comet should have struck some other land. That God, like with Joshua and the Amori, Amortis, uh, Amorites, somehow held the world up, kept it from spinning just so he could deliver judgment. So saying like, oh, it landed here for a reason, even though it could, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. universal randomness also exists. <laughs> That's very true. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I I do agree. Andres, also, I think is it, idealized. Yeah. Was there something that I missed? 
because apparently I missed a fair amount in my read where they explain <laughs> how uh, Mao made it to the U.S. in general. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know if they explain it here, but I, <laughs> I'll i give you a little sneak well, peek they, if you'd they like. They explain it in um, at the end they, of... They explain it when Mao's just before Mao dies. Um, there's an I I was reading here, he kind of gets like kicked out of China. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and he like, he run he, he he makes roots here. Yeah, they say um, in the very beginning. Here it is. Yeah. So right now we're looking at the lore exposition at the beginning about the message, and it says that. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have that that passage there? On his on his deathbed in New Shanghai. Uh, which is the city in the PRA, the exiled Chinese leader, Chairman Mao Zedong, penned an amend, uh, addendum to this to his little red book, his portion, the missing portion of the message. Yeah. Um, so he, we know he was exiled. Does that mean he was exiled like from his country or not? I think later they talk about and say like Mao the third. Uh, uh, no, this is the first. Mao the first is the one who came here Mao the second kind of like helped a little bit, and then Mao the third is the one who like fixed shit up for the whole uh, nation themselves. Yeah, and and that uh, in particular, like Mao the third, really helped raise, or maybe it was Mao the second, raise the two armies that. Uh, I think the third. Oh, was it the third? Yeah, it's sort of like a yes. during Mao the third's reign in in the PRA that you get this like highly militarized highly like sacrificial army um where they they would take kids from like their families and just have them be like soldiers to go and to die for them and it was like really cool yeah like in like a terrible way (laughs) (laughs) it was like a like a i mean it was even because yeah even that's politicized right because there's like this sort of like dictator commentary happening a little bit like this sort of selflessness for a nation. Um, he he gives this big speech about how like you're here to die like, mm-hmm. and you're gonna die for me and that's fine. And <laughs> then his and we'll get to it later. His like complete contrast of like oh, it's such a good line of um, these men believe they're giants, but then they encounter a real one and they don't even know what to do. <laughs> and it's like such a I I'll, I'll get to it right now. Um, I wanted to get to this line. I really love. Um, the new Madam President of the Union is introducing herself to the other chosen. The other chosen are giving up, like, I'm this person, I'm this person. Uh, oh, and um, Urza. Uh, Ezra. Ezra Orion, the person who lives at the army stands. Um, Bell Solomon, uh, with his magnificent beard, he says, I am Bell Solomon, skeptic and also governor of the Republic of Texas. And she replies, I'm sorry, did you say skeptic? Like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he, it's just such a good line of, like, well, what you need, Madam President, is perspective. One week ago, you were no one, unimportant and insignificant. I, however, have always been and still remain Bell Solomon. When it's just like, that's so like wild to just be like, shut the fuck up. Like, I, you don't know anything. You're new here. Don't call me out. Like, I am. I've been here and I'm Bell Solomon. That's just such a good fucking line. It is pretty badass. And then this part was kind of weird. This part was weird when, like, he cuts himself and, like, their eyes glow. I don't know why their eyes glow, but I just, I th- God, I, that line of, I have always been this person. And that's and that matters to a lot of people. That's just so good. Yeah. The, I, the eye glowing is them, 
from my understanding, it's them perceiving the message and what what happens because right after that, Madam President like starts crying, you know, and she's like, it's like at the top of the page there. Oh, but then she's yeah. like, oh, I had yeah. no idea it was it was like this or something. Yeah, it's it's super cool, super cool of it being like everyone else is like, yeah, dude, that's why like like it's it's powerful, but we have the message and we feel like you see who here really care. Like they make it very clear. Like I think John Freeman doesn't say anything. He kind of just keeps his mouth shut and lets stuff happen. Uh, Chavoyo and um, it's name, a, the daughter of the period. Who? They say it right it's here. Who? who? Yeah, I think so. And who are both like the message is great and blah 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 like <laughs> going for it while Bell and Archibald are kind of like yeah all right we'll, we'll see you fucking later like we're not gonna worry about this anymore. Oh, it's ironic that they're the two that are dead now actually by the end of the the second yes. trade. Yeah. Um, I really just love, I really love uh Colonel Sanders uh character. He's just so fucking weird and like one of those like they everyone said it too like. You can talk to me out of anything, and he's like, "Yep, I can do that shit." And he's like, his, he's like having like three ways and shit with people, and like people are watching him and stuff. And he's so interesting and cool. Um, Death says something. He <sighs> Death says something really interesting. He's like, "There's a thing I've seen you people do for show. A man will put his head in the mouth of the lion and think it's bravery and not acting a damn fool." And then him just going, "Now that." It's exceptionally ambiguous. Like, what the fuck? It is kind of like, what are you saying, bro? Like, and then him changing his mouth, and he's like, "Are you saying it's brave? Is are you saying there's no need to act brave because the lion will never hurt me because the lion is that powerful?" Implying that he's like, "You're acting like the lion here, but maybe you're not that powerful at all." Like, it's very, it's very cool, and like to talk to death like this is very like, interesting. Yeah, it is. It is sort of like a a powerful when when you get two characters who have such like strong personalities it gets really interesting mm-hmm. every time i think and and i think most characters do have really strong like uh personalities in this comic but i i would say that like some characters seem a little bit passive like famine like famine's a little bit more reserved mm-hmm. um yeah so it's like war is kind of like the leader of the three conquest has at least the child to show mm-hmm. but famine is definitely like the at least in these two they're going with the flow and like they get a few cool lines in there for sure but like it's not yeah yeah so it's really nice when you get like this scene here with death and uh, archibald and there, there's like this back and forth mm-hmm. uh yeah again it just like shows how strong the dialogue is in this uh comic um and then him leaving like exactly what you would like there's no way he's gonna be able to talk himself out of this like death why would he have any Thing, like why would he let him live and then he does mm-hmm. and then it works perfectly well for him later when they're like how come you're like you talk with him and he's just like if i talked to him i'd be fucking dead I'm like i don't know and he goes really you think death wouldn't just shoot me in the face and he's just like yeah that's exactly what happened <laughs> like, it's exactly <laughs> what it is yeah were you gonna say something Andre? uh it, it definitely i'm not sure if it's just a western thing or what but there's definitely a whole lot of like bargaining and then i'm gonna come back to kill you in this (laughs) so that that was kind of like the first instance of that yeah yeah that 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 happens with the ranger as well and and trade Mm two yeah yeah he promises to kill bell last 
Um, the whole scene with the, where they fight Death's wife is just really cool. Um, it goes. It shows you like oh, the flashbacks are always interesting because it really shows you like this person isn't just a bad. Like some, I feel like sometimes they'll have a character and they'll be like they're super cool and powerful and they're just like all right, like they don't really need to explain it. But they show her have multiple flashbacks of like she fights the three horsemen for like a while, and that's like super impressive. It's like a one v three against the horsemen of the fucking apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, when she becomes a war master at like 16 is doing all this cool shit. Like all of it's very just fun, like power displaying of everyone. Yeah. I definitely didn't pick up on the kill bill vibes when I was reading it, but when you brought Mm -hmm. it up, that's like what I immediately thought of is that scene. So, yeah, the, I think something that's interesting is I haven't, at least in these two volumes, I thought there was going to be way more violent, maybe not violence, but way more fighting slash action scenes than you actually get. You get like one really big one with the House of Mao. Um, and it's not even that long. It's, it's They're really short. I was, I was actually surprised. It feels like it's way more character and story driven than action driven. Yeah. Like they go through the whole city and like a lot of it just kind of happens off screen. Off panel, at least, like, yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, speaking of off screen, East of West was, um, on April 19, 2018, it was announced that Amazon Studios and Hickman would be developing an hour long series based on the property. And then it says that San Diego Comic Con 2019, Hickman revealed East of West is no longer development at Amazon Prime Video. Oof. <laughs> Just like, oh, that's that's okay. I kind of some things I don't think need TV shows, if that makes sense. It would have been, it would have been really yeah. interesting to see what they do with it, but. Yeah. But I do think that it would have been like terribly difficult to get the feel right. Like I feel like I feel like the pacing in here is is really unique and I feel like if you uh tried to do that while still having this like slow western vibe it would feel like really weird. I don't know. So maybe that's why it didn't work. I always think of like of The Walking Dead as kind of like one of the peaks for comic book shows. Mm. Um because they didn't make it exactly the comic they got the bare bone ideas and it and it being just like a zombie survival story allows itself to do that much easier of like here's other characters and here's like a different way this could go and here's like these scenes that are iconic in the like they have like that i didn't really i haven't watched preacher but i've heard preachers really good and it kind of does the same thing mm-hmm. but i don't know how this would translate to the screen and i don't think this is one of those stories that goes and like allows itself to be changed that much mm-hmm. Uh, without becoming something different and this is so unique like like i was just saying zombie story kind of generic enough to be okay and separate but this is such a unique idea that to do anything too different would completely change the story yeah i agree i've been told it's a hot take but it's kind of like the watchman movie how (laughs) it isn't great in my eyes at least like I've heard a lot of people defend it and say like it's an amazing movie or whatever, but I think eh. the specifically the way that Zack Snyder directed it is just like sure a lot of it is very one to one, but there's also just kind of stuff where I feel like it misses the point. Yeah. And I haven't I, remember... I haven't seen the TV show, but I think the fact that that's just kind of 
based in the universe, but not mm-hmm. not actually supposed to be covering anything that's been written probably helps. Yeah. It, it's here's this idea in this world. Let's go do something with it and see how it goes. I know there's another series. I don't know if we'll read it. Um, we might. It'd be nice to go back to it. Uh, called Why the Last Man. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Uh, I've read the entire Comic thing. Series. Yeah. Yeah. So that's getting a TV show. What? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I kind of want to go back and read it again just because it it's, was. It, I, that was one of the first like unique series I've read that wasn't just Marvel. It's really good. It's really really. Yeah. Good. I rem- but I don't know if how. I remember it being great. TV was gonna do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. I I have a feeling it would be weird to see. But I mean, again, I think it. I think you bring up a good point. Like the relationship you're bringing up is that uh, it might not lend itself to a huge flexibility. Like the premise is simple, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the last, the last man on earth, but, but like the, mm-hmm. the implementation of it, the way the story unfolds is so like specific and really engaging. And, and I, I feel like that's what's happening mm-hmm. here with East of West, you know, it really feels like a specific story. I think maybe, It'd be better for Why Last Man because it is kind of like the story of Yorick and um, I don't remember any of the characters' names, but like just kind of like a single unit traveling while this is like so many different things happening at once, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that maybe Why Last Man could be like, okay, we are going to skip this part, but like we can, you know, this and that will happen and it's one character and as long as the major beats are happening... We can accommodate for some things, but like I'm not saying it's gonna be good or bad or whatever, based on it. Just that that's that's an idea. Yeah, yeah. It can work more for a single character in his arc rather than Death is a character, and so is Archibald and like these characters. The three horsemen become bigger. It's kind of like uh, Game of Thrones, where like there's Mm -hmm. all these competing agendas and just like really interesting. Yeah. Well, as long as why the why the last man doesn't end up like the promised Neverland. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Um, let me keep going. Uh, in the comic right now, we're at the part where um, she's going through the flashback fighting. Um, I love these, these like white page quotes um, that happen like after this big fight against, she fights the Three Horsemen of the Apocalypse and then you go to the next page, it's a blank page with the, the logo of the message. Um, and she's it says, she lasted longer than you will. And it's just kind of like, oh, I guess I'm dying in this story too. <laughs> like, super fun. Um, Those parts definitely kind of tripped me up because I wasn't really sure where a new chapter was beginning for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. That was me. That's me too. <laughs> and you had like the pages too. It is, it's weird. They do a very interesting way of like selling the stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, the... The actual book is really nice, I think, like the trades themselves. Uh you mm-hmm. you we have exactly the same pages, but it does not help at all uh because you get a lot of like interjections of the message and its text. Um like like you know those those symbols with the text uh like have you become what the message demands. And so it, it's always relating back to the mm-hmm. the edges of the story wherever the story is just starting or ending. Um, Mm -hmm. and it feels really weird, but it's also, it's all, it's also sort of like an immersive thing. Like I slowly was like, oh, it's like speaking to me a little bit. It's like trying to, you know, and it is the message. And I think that 
I think it has a little bit of that going on. It's obviously not like the text of the message, but it does have a little bit mm-hmm. of that like communication to it. For me at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. It's definitely meant for like a self reflection break, I think. Mm-hmm. Most of them at least. Mm-hmm. Where it's just kind of serving the purpose to really try to have you either put yourself in the story or think about how this story relates to your actual life like mm-hmm. it's like so hard to do <laughs> like how do i feel in the apocalypse <laughs> like oh i actually just was gonna work today like i don't need to do much today. <laughs> um i wanted to talk about this scene where like the um the premiere has like this man this character who's gonna go like talk to death and like he has like a white flag he's mentioned delivery message is it uh a messenger simply um and i really just like their use of like paneling and just how foreboding death looks on page 91 um he's here with his flag and like you can see wolf and crow and then like through the darkness you see uh death on his horse and it's like this super powerful image of like you don't see him you just see like, the red glow of the engine he's talking to him um now he's like there's not gonna be any help uh you best run him back to mal telling him the bad news telling him there will be no quarter and then he asks him like do you have it and the simple like he says yes and like the circle is small and like the word is small like he is small in comparison to death Mm -hmm. and it's just super like great use of imagery in this um and then it ends up with the next page where he is towering above him and it's just super cool and like imposing the horse thing is like staring directly at him um and then it's the great walls coming down and my judgment will follow shortly like it's a very cool like again just him being the absolute best of asses yeah that's some really nice paneling um, there i i just noticed i mean i knew the i noticed the the word bubble and the small text but i didn't really get the sort of like dichotomy that was being drawn until you mentioned it so that's really nice seeing you (laughs) alexi alexi has a magnifying glass tool on a comic and we are getting close-ups on page 96 there's a clear front face of of death wife and i feel bad saying death wife she has a name she's a person i I think it is shall 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 okay we're committing we're gonna go with that Cause most... on, cause I, I think it's super distractful I keep saying Death's Wife. She's like her own character and like super important. Because the way most uh, Romanized Asian name or stuff goes is just sounded out by twos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Let me see. It's page 107. Um, so now he's giving off this like giant speech about how like he has the dragons, which are the males, and the widowmakers, which are the women. Um, and they're like they're supposed to be these super soldiers that have like taken over this land, and then they're getting killed by like three manga protagonists in the shonen, and they're like, just super powerful and strong. Oh, Death guns, like I don't, I know he has bullets. I don't know what the fuck his bullets are. He can just like kill and shoot anything, and it's wild to me. Um, yeah, that's something I've that's something I noticed is that they don't really, at least not right now, 
they're not really trying to explain any of the horsemen's like abilities or particular strengths or weaknesses nor their weapons um mm-hmm. and they have they each have unique weapons to them um mm-hmm. i there is a little bit of lore behind the four horsemen like war specifically has a blade in like the scripture war has a blade yeah and like um i don't know anything about the other ones but like i think it's like famine has a scale um which is not really useful at all for <laughs> for uh killing people i guess but and it, it i think it's is it always i think this is like the painting mm, yeah it's like it's um, like one of the paintings oh it says this is about the death yeah death has death has a size famine has the scales and then he has this thing and he and uh, a war has a sword and conquest has a bow well they took some liberties there <laughs> this christian bible concept there is the part where like sometimes it's pestilence not famine yeah 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 like plague or something like that Mm -hmm. i've heard Um, it behold the pale horse too the gray donkey (laughs) (laughs) uh let me see what page you want to say oh this is the part i really want to get to um he mal is going the entire time um there's battles happening where like they're doing all these cool crazy moves they're they're talking about like the pra and its history and how mao is like a leader and kind of a general concept of like there is the great man the first one who came over here and then like he had a son and he did things and then like the third generation creates this like powerful empire and does things and like his mouth son mao the fourth maybe like, he just needs to keep running that empire. Now, Malefist has another empire. He's just keeping running it. So, like, maybe, yes, he's in charge and powerful, but, like, he wasn't the one who built it. And that's kind of an important thing. And I think a lot of, even, like, parallel to our lives, like, my dad came here as an immigrant, and he knows how to, like, let, take care of himself. And I'm like, oh, I hope my dad pays for food this week because I can't support myself. Like, it's very, like, different generationally how it works. Yeah. Um, So here he's, like, talking about it, like, um, Mao the Third had fulfilled the promise of what he believed her people could be. Twenty million loyal soldiers died to realize his vision, and he's like talking about how like people died for him to achieve a goal, and now it's like what now? Um, Jalian is asking like, "What do you see now, Father? What do you envision?" And he just kind of like whispers to himself like, "Ruin, like nothing's happening. A fucking ship crashes, killing a bunch of their people." He and then he just goes from like a- each panel composed anger to like losing his fucking shit uh um freaking the fuck out like screaming um there's a thing father where men who have thought they were giants their entire lives actually see one for the first time it sparks a reaction it shows them their true worth and it shows them their place and to me i always even the first time i read it i and rereading it i was always like he kind of goes crazy really fast like it does feel like weird that he goes from like I am this guy. I was choking out and lifting my daughter with my bare hands. Like, I am the powerful. I can stand up against death. To him losing his composure and, like, pure fear in this new version of the panel. Um, yeah. That... But th- this explanation is so good. So good of, like, his his mind thought he was so tall and powerful and he's not. Yeah, it felt really weird to me when I read it, too. Because I, I felt that it was really quick. But now, juxtaposed with this, like, you know, it, it this description that 
sort of highlights what he's going through. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, I, I think I kind of just took it as more of a like esoteric description. Like, obviously, even the most powerful people have to deal with death or their own death. Oh, that's so, real good. Like, obviously, the more you have, like, the more self importance you have, the more you're probably going to be afraid of dying. So. That's kind of how I took it, where he death obviously isn't gonna lose at this point, so mm-hmm. he's just kind of realizing that he's done mm-hmm. I didn't even thought about that every that's a really cool cool point to look at on just I was taking it too matter of fact <laughs> they're try the daughter who was trying to run away um and it's just kind of like really funny. Like this person is just she. She definitely gives off this aura of like I am the best person in this room, and she's kind of like like it's kind of obvious she's not in every single situation. With the chosen, no one gave a shit about her. With the sister, the sister can just make fun of her. And like we have seen more of how powerful Jalion is, uh, is, and how much the dad likes her. Like she's like I haven't spoken to you in ten years. And the dad's like, yeah, I visit her all the time. Like, I don't want to go fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> she's in my house. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, this is just how it is. I know. And then they have, like, a one-page fight. And then she's done. Like, oh, yeah. I forgot about this part. Her head is, like, crushed. Like, insane. <laughs> like, it's, like, moments like these of just, like, yeah, we did just watch a giant slaughter. But right now, the sheer terror of this woman's eyes as her sister's going to just, like, evisceral skull blows me away yeah those those scenes are really interesting um it always feels like slightly it feels very impactful but also slightly like a throwaway in terms of like a kill i don't know like in terms of action i Mm -hmm. think that that was like part of it is like as i was watching um these there's so much change happening so quickly you know so many people are dying so quickly um yeah so it always feels like so many nameless people and now this is a named character and she's kind of just like meh yeah peace out i i agree with that but i think that's kind of like the point like not everyone is as important as they believe to be Mm, right that's true yeah does make a good point there yeah i think i've just read enough manga where just like having people you think are going to be important die like almost (laughs) immediately is just like yeah it's I'm I'm used to it now. Uh, yeah, I, I really think this is another cool scene of um, Mao like talking to his daughter as she's about to like cut off his head. Um, just him admitting it, like, yeah, I fucked up. It's over. Um, I don't get a chance. And her being like, I'll kill you. Like, at least I can give you that honor. And he's like, Yep. Uh, he goes, Well, all that remains of my house is yours. Remember what I taught you. And build something better with it. And her line of like, farewell, father. I will miss you. The world will not. And just like, done. Like, that's it. No, no, she's not sad about it. She understands what has to happen. Like, it's very like, it tells a lot about her character and how like, and I'm, as I'm remembering, like, memories are flooding in. She's so fucking rad and like, just does tons of cool shit. And she's like, one of the better characters that comes out. Not in like a bad, in the way of like, she 
succeeds and loses in in, in a great way each time. Hmm. Um, and she just loves death, and it's really cool. Um, here's this part where the, the the oh the children of the apocalypse walk in on Archibald like at, at the end of his threesome, which is very oh foursome. Sorry, which is very odd to me. Thing you counted, <laughs> I didn't count. I know I did. Um, uh-huh. I was saying that like there's it. It kind of reminds me of the actual basis of the original Infinity War in Marvel, like. Mm-hmm. Thanos trying to woo death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like trying this, to court death, if they yeah, wanted to say. This whole, like, I mean, it's opposite, but uh, it was giving me some of those vibes, this whole part of the story. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was like those parts. Those, those were really I don't think he uses Thanos too much in those. In uh, Hickman's other runs, in the in Avengers world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I haven't got too far into it. There is um, Secret Wars where Doctor Doom just fucking eviscerates Thanos in like an old. It was like a really cool scene of like mm. Thanos. Uh, Doctor Doom becomes God, and Thanos is like, "I'll kill God real quick." And Doctor Doom's like, "All right." And he's like a page done. It's kind of like it feels like one of those again throwaway kills. It doesn't feel that Aaron, but it's whatever. Yeah, yeah I remember a lot of that era of Marvel where they're like doing some pretty wild stuff like killing the watcher and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> tons of weird shit early early marvel was really weird i think we talked about this before there's like that part in like ultimates where like there's a lot of like cannibalism <laughs> that happens. it's just kind of yeah. like why is this happening a lot this is just so weird um i i really like this scene this another scene just, again like how cool archibald is um the three horsemen are now talking to him and he goes, you dare? And he goes, oh, I indeed do. And what are their fear from here? You, I have known war all my life. Conquest, I'm a conquistador. Famine, well, lean times are for the peasants. And I have done, what's it, what's it say? I do, and do I not look like a man whose wants have long surpassed his needs? Just so fucking good. And then he finishes it off with, the one thing I fear is death, which is like a total, like summation of the story. Like these people... Yeah, like these horsemen matter to everyone else, but these chosen have done all they have, or at least the good ones, and now they don't need to worry about them. And it's it's just super cool. Such great life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely picked up on a lot of more just like political undertones of everything mm-hmm. because if you look at all the horsemen as uh like the physical representation of what their names are and what they represent it is very much true that the chosen don't actually have to deal with any of them but death like Mm -hmm. and it's like all the stuff as they exist are happening and of course all the politicians are working with them to get their way and become powerful people in their societies. You you are quite uh, political pilled, my friend. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I mean, it was. I definitely felt this comic was very like anti-authority. Yeah, it is. Uh, I it yes. it also is a little critical too. I feel like uh, when Madam President goes down there. 
to her city when it's burning and is like trying mm-hmm. to quell it 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 almost the the activists almost come off as like caricatures like pure caricatures because they're like they say like outrageous shit and then like they each get blown yeah. away <laughs> it's, it's sort of like i'm not sure if that's meant to be like a feeling of helplessness like uh like like it's really getting to that point where like nothing matters or if it's just another element of like the politicized story but i i do agree andres i uh i say political pill jokingly i I actually really like the politics of this i also just like pills (laughs) gobble Um, gobble 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 (laughs) (laughs) um another beautiful uh, their full page layouts gorgeous so phenomenal like with the crows and like making you follow down and seeing like everything kneeling minus the horse and she is jalian and you should fear her as much as you fear him for this is the woman who conquered death like such like beautiful like putting her on this pedestal that she again earns and is like super badass i i she's so good um how did you guys feel about the introduction of uh death's son like how did you guys were like oh this is weird like like as they show the facility and like what he's going through and like the kind of twist that happens in volume two of like oh he's aware of what's going on or like at least the computer is able to talk to him and it's not just like a machine like you get if you guys get what i'm saying I do. yeah yeah i didn't really understand a lot of specifics about death's character because at one point when he's talking to his wife he says like yeah i can't touch me or whatever so i wasn't sure if like just interacting physically with death like kills people or not or something like oh no 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 uh this part you mean yeah if you stay here it'll be no it'll be here nowhere else you can't hold me, can't be held. Yeah. I think it's just him saying, like... I'm not going to stay in one place. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. Like He's like, I have my mission, and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's I, how I interpreted it. Yeah, I'm sure that's how it's supposed to be. but uh, Because cause then it's... Then leave, and he goes, I don't want to leave. Like, I haven't left with what I needed to. Like, it's basically him being like, I'm going to do whatever I fucking need to. And right now, I need, I need to be with you. Like, Yeah. Yes, I mean, I guess that was just more speaking to the fact that I was kind of just surprised that he was able to have a son in general. Yeah, it's weird. So that, and I'm certain it's meant to be like kind of strange, but uh, it's. I feel like I don't know if they talk about it more, but it must be one of those things. It was just like, is this supposed to? They do talk about in the message later where it's kind of like uh like the chalice quote uh a cup of a cup a chalice of a chalice it's supposed to be like he is somehow supposed to be here and supposed to be born he's supposed to be the beast of the apocalypse and it's so like they knew and this was surprised he betrayed him in the end but like it is kind of like oh he has a son and that is kind of like the crux of the story yeah. is that he is trying to save his son who is supposed to be the beast it does seem like they're trying to raise multiple beasts yeah i actually don't know the lore of like the beast in like the apocalypse biblical story uh, does anyone know what the role is 
I um, don't know anything no? about the apocalypse biblical. Damn. Mm-mm. It's uh I don't I don't either. So I I can do some quick googling. This is uh biblical spoilers, but if you haven't read it yet, uh too bad. <laughs> um, uh I think this uh I really do like this weird disposition. The part where he's like talking to the robot and the, they have names. They get names later on, so I'm trying not to spoil those. Um, but like him asking, like, how do you feel? And he's like, I don't know what that means. Like, very like spooky and ominous. And like, for the first trade, you just assume he is kind of like, oh, he's fucked. Like, this is crazy. So good. God help him. Great art again on this last page of the comic where he's like riding into the sunset, surrounded by the crows and the wolves. Super good. Um, and I think that's volume one. Um, so now back to volume two, because we just finished volume one. Um, we had an ad break there. Hopefully, we'll be sponsored by this episode. If not, make up some ads. Yeah, right. Those <laughs> into whatever I want to do. Do you want to lo- now leave? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Dollar Ball Shave Club, um, which is actually a real thing now. Think about it, because of fucking. Manscaped or whatever. Yeah, you're um, combining Manscaped and like one of the twenty <laughs> monthly shaving things. Um, I'm asking a question here. I think how did you guys feel with the two trades? Do you think if we just recommended one, it would have been kind of like okay, that was fine. I think I think two lets itself open a bit more, especially with how big the cast of characters we have. I think two worked. Yeah, yeah I think two worked, but I think uh, it would. We definitely needed two weeks, I think. Um, uh, I I binged them all today, and I have a lot of knowledge about them now, but I also know that, like, I don't know. Do you think two is doable in a week for both us and uh, our lovely listening audience? I think if the audience is, like, diehard and they listen every week and they follow everything they could do, it is kind of like a big ask to do two trades. But, um... This is like about the same page length as Dungeon Meshi Volume One was. Huh. Dungeon Meshi was like under three hundred pages. This is about under three hundred pages. Yeah, I mean, I was. I don't think I had finished by the weekend, but I also definitely like finished reading on Tuesday or something like that. Like I could have pushed it if. I knew we were recording a week later, so... I think, yeah. It's one of those things where I think, as us people, we were, if we, like... There is a deadline. We'll make time and do it, even if it... You know. I, I read, like, a, the first volume after... On, like, my 10-minute breaks at work. I'd read, like, like an issue or something. Mm. Yeah. So And this is also a very verbose story. And, like, Dungeon Meshi is mostly, like, art at times. This is very, like... I'll read this uh, soliloquy I have. <laughs> I think I definitely kind of connected more with the second trade, though, just because mm-hmm. the first one felt a lot like lore dump, whereas this yeah. one kind of got more into the meat and potatoes of like the messaging. Yeah, the. They're no longer this. They're now talking about the consequences of the message and how they feel about it, and like, it's no longer setting up what's gonna happen, but like, talking about 
the effects now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really good takeaway for this. Uh, my first page note for volume two is the beautifulness of like there's Bell and and Archibald like going back and forth and being like, oh shit! Like they 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 reveal that they think this is a traitor, and so they're like, we're gonna have you attached up to this beast, and it'll purge your mind and it'll find out if you're part of us. And Bell and Archibald are like, okay, like Bell's like, oh fuck, I'm freaking out. And Archibald's like, I'll take care of you, don't worry. Like, let's ask some questions and this, this, and the other. And then he's like, then they explain it. This is a gift from the horseman, something from the other side. The beast will attach itself to each of us, tasting flesh, and in the consumption, it will divine where each of our true loyalties lies. And then Archibald's just like, uh, fuck that. Uh, Bell's a traitor. Uh, he tried to make me help him. I ain't doing that shit. Like, totally like, I'm saving my own skin. I'm not going to fucking deal with that. I don't care. Like, it's, he is there for himself in the long run. I think it's very, just like, again, shows his character. And like, now, instead of them just being dead, one of the chosen is out. Bell is out. He is no longer part of them. And those consequences that come back. I think, uh, I think one of the powerful parts of, of that decision came from the fact that Archibald already had some interaction with death and he was already lying to the horsemen. So he was like definitely, yeah. definitely trying to save his ass there, because because they could have gone through yeah. it, and I think they both they would have both been found out then. So I, that's sort of how I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely objectively like more of a traitor than Bell <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, like Bell is just guilty of not really believing in what's going on and just wanting uh-huh. to know for the sake of wanting to know Archibald is kind of like actually trying to work against yeah. it. Uh-huh. It's just real funny. And then his like nonchalant of what's going on, like hot damn, look at that boy run. Like he doesn't care. Like he's just like enjoying what's going on. And I thought this was really weird. Uh, Chavoyo's like in like weird powers and like they have more happens and like, like, the other two can turn into wolves. At one point, Famine does, like, that weird thing with the lights to show off where uh, death is. Um, but Hichavoyo on page 12 is, like, creating this, like, tunnel of, like, sand, it looks like, that shoots out and then becomes, like, a giant monster. It looks like a Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Mm. Like, super weird. It doesn't even have hands. But, it, like, super cool, too, at the same time. Mm-hmm. The the texting in this one's really good. The whoosh is I don't know if it's carried over from here. Oh, like it it's engraved into the sand. Very very cool like use of lettering here. I love when they do that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think I agree a lot with Andres that like this second volume this this trade right is it it really starts to highlight a lot of the political elements. I mean, you even have like this political commentary with with bell and the judge uh and the rangers and how the rangers are just like yep politicians and everyone else they're they're gone they're out of here um and by gone and out of here i mean like we're killing them all (laughs) so uh i think it it definitely is like a more politically heavy trade between the two of them and that's not a bad thing because it actually really works in service of the story i feel mm-hmm. yeah i was definitely getting some pretty heavy like scourge and punisher vibes from the texas 
Rangers, <laughs> which I I hadn't connected that they were the Texan like country or part of the country. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense thinking about it now. <laughs> Just that the act more traditional cowboys are from the texas part Mm -hmm. yeah i i think that what this what the series is doing these were like this was sort of the dominant part of the notes i took for this episode which uh which is this comic series is really effectively like blending like futurism slash like sci-fi uh, like the past mm-hmm. slash the West. And it marries the two through like mysticism and like the like occult and the like uh, the sort of like spiritual, you know, because I mean, it's not really it's it's more like supernatural than spiritual because four horsemen. But um, mm-hmm. but I, I think that like this scene in particular, the one where they are going to see the Oracle, but they have to pass through the mirror, which is like this lake. Um, this is one of those scenes where like really you really get like heavy sort of mystical slash magical vibes. Um, yeah. and I really love that because, cause that is like the thing that is sort of driving the four horsemen element, at least to me right now. It's like, it's more about the supernatural sort of like inevitable, almost spiritual occurrence, right? It's like the apocalypse. So, uh, it's nice to see that in a couple places in this uh this trade you get this like heavy magical slash mystical vibe uh so mm-hmm. yeah. there's points where like they're in like later on when you see endless nation and endless nation they're very technology heavy but also chavoyo just created like a demon to come out of his hand and like yeah super crazy i never really like blinked an eye at that i think just because the way it starts like just yeah the horsemen like really just spawning from the earth (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i think just that happening right off the jump like kind of tempered my expectations that oh there's definitely gonna be some supernatural occurrences going on so yeah i guess you just never guess how big they're gonna like this is like a living ocean (laughs) and like you know it is it's crazy it's cool it's fun like it, um, it all seems grounded within this universe, but like they mm-hmm. establish pretty early on that this universe isn't super grounded in what we perceive as reality. Yeah, I think I think this uh this panel you stopped on here, Alexi, is like a really cool representation of of what uh what we're both talking about, which is like. There, there. You can almost imagine. So we're on the panel where the four horsemen each have their, uh, their steeds, so to speak, and they're. It's like in the pilgrim page forty-seven. Yeah, it's it's the two. pilgrimage uh, scene where they go and kill all the pilgrims. But, um, it sort of highlights like the this like balance between like technology and like the supernatural thing that gets set at the pre like at the outset. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a really cool panel to like uh contextualize the conversation yeah i never really understood the pilgrim part i don't get why they don't want them i think it's um is it because of they they have like they don't want other people worshiping something else is i guess is it maybe like 
they don't want the message to be like said incorrectly or like the wrong people to listen to it. Mm. Maybe because like they they talk about like they have like the leaders and they kill the leader and they're just like yeah you're not the like we don't care about this. Well, guy. is that well it? we also don't know what the purpose of the armistice location is yet. Like we actually don't know anything about the comet or why this particular location. Mm-hmm. That's true. So maybe it has to do with that, but I, but I don't know. Um, like, like you would know because you've read further than, than I have. Um, uh, so I, I'm not, it's just, it's been so long. It's kind of like a fresh read for something. Yeah. Well, maybe it has to do with like this particular side is specifically tied to the message and the apocalypse. And you also, I mean, from this, you also get conquest, like beautiful story with, uh, Ezra and how, uh, how he builds the, um, the, the, the structure at the armistice. So, so it might have something to do like that. It seems like that side is really heavily focused on. Yeah, I think it also, looking at it now, probably has to do with the horsemen wanting to like shape their leaders rather than assigning them. Like, obviously, they did it with the president and finding somebody who knows the message and is loyal to it so i guess these people are kind of loyal to the message but not in the way they want Mm. Uh interesting um we we jumped a bit ahead here i think a lot of like exposition there's coolness i'm gonna there's other parts i want to talk about the part with here is with ezra and like his growing up and um he becomes like a really interesting character later on. Like they definitely like show how you, uh, it's a really good opening to what his like journey is going to be in the story where he is just like, this is his mom and his mom is not conquest. And he just is like really like asking, like, am I making you happy? And the mom is just like, are you what the message demands? That's it. There's nothing is. I, that's all I care about. I'm here. going to, I'm going to give you food. I'm going to give you show. I that's when it's gonna make me happy and he does everything he can to make it and even then as a child like he grows up as an adult and he asks the same question do I please you now and that depends and it's, it's the same thing and he answers honestly no I'm not he like knows he can do more he knows he can give more and now finally with like his fusion to the beast he's like I view become what the message demands and he says yes but I don't want it and it's too much and conquest is just like no like this is what you're supposed to be this is who you're supposed to be like this is it this is who you are now it's like really just wild like this whole paneling is just wild of like this woman like standing outside and seeing him on page 56 ezra like with the face of anger looking at his like mother technically these other two like just like kind of like watching from their point of view and this like insane beast framing them yeah. I think a cool thing about it's mainly in uh trade two, but uh I feel like a lot of a lot of the characters are acting in their own self interest, but it doesn't really come off as like uh Lord of the Flies, humans are inherently bad type deal. And I think this story kind of 
and like the story of Ezra being raised to be this is kind of a good reflection of that. Like he was just a baby and raised in, uh, raised by conquest to become this like representative of the message and death and, and like the end of humanity or whatever it's the message actually is supposed to be and i feel like it doesn't lend itself to like that interpretation of yeah everybody's selfish it's just kind of a little more than that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think i think it's more the environment that shapes us yeah that that type of situation is also also really this Ezra's story in particular really helps with the framing of of the the story and the mood as something that's like inevitable like like so many things are out of these people's power um and Ezra having just been raised to be a a servant essentially is is helps with that narrative i think um mm-hmm. yeah because everything to me feels really like an impending doomish, uh, not and I wouldn't say like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like impending doom, like dread, but I would say like inevitable, maybe like the inevitability of a situation, because like multiple t- mm-hmm. multiple times the message is like referenced and like everything about the message is coming true and and the message is so important in these first two trades, that uh, it feels it really does feel like yeah whatever the message says it's going to happen and that's what happened with ezra and his hand so and they mentioned too like the message is like undeniable but like sometimes we fuck it up like we're seeing the wrong thing the message is the message is saying x y and z but we just haven't got through the whole letter the alphabet yet so we're not going to understand it and they're just kind of like well the fuck like like they don't really know how to Mm -hmm. you know get through it yeah and that's also part of the reason why I was getting Evangelion vibes is because there's like a almost direct parallel with the Dead Sea Scrolls in that series. <laughs> <laughs> um, Evangelion. We're confirmed. now to I think this is this is just the middle of the chapter. Or I don't know which chapter this is. Like we were saying earlier, we don't know. Um, chapter eight, issue eight. This is one of my favorite character designs. Uh, Doma Lux. I don't know. She just looks so cool. She's got. I think her oh hair's gosh. stupid and like a cool. Adam's way. family vibes. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. That. <laughs> She's cool. She has like a bunch. She has a few cool scenes later. Um, she does some interesting things where like, she is. She's reliable. That's kind of like they, they talk about it. Um, but this is the part where like we focus on. A few things where we talk like. We learned this is a prison that they imprisoned an oracle. Like there's this one, I, the oracle always was a bit odd. Like she's there and they don't. And again, I've read this story, but I've not read it in a long time. You, we give we get like such little hints at what's happening. He built this prison. She he put her here. We don't know why. He's here to asking for help. They took her eyes. The eyes are still existing somewhere. At least we know where one is with the tracker. I don't think we know where the second one is. Um, I just remember where the second one is. Uh, so, like, you know, things like that. And, like, how she talks is very much, like, she's playing games with them. Um, her look is fucking disgusting. 
with like the tentacles coming out of her eyes and her brain being visible. It's a very uh, a lot of like Lovecraftian Cthulhu vibes with all of the tentacles. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now we're at the part earlier on just mentioning where like we talked about um the president and like how she acts with them and you guys mentioning like caricatures. It's like everyone you know, Grando speaking of just like powerful declarations. This like middle one is just saying like, "Look at what you've done!" Like, you know, like no one really talks like that. It's just kind of like perfect for writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they I used... don't know, man. Maybe I've been on Twitter too much, but this seems like exactly something that somebody but, would like, no write. Maybe it. not say it. Yeah, yeah, no one yeah. says it. So that's them saying it. I agree that. You want to buy us? We are not one more thing that you can buy and sell for fucking money. What we want is to be rid of people like you, old men and women who think they can tell us how to live our lives. We may be prisoners, but no one owns me. Like, it 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 felt yeah, very it felt very caricaturish, in which I was like, oh, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, like, if, yeah. if everything was a hyperbole, and and I guess we got the like the sort of anarchist hyperbole there a little bit. The the. And to me, I, I came across most when they say fascist. I've, I think I've heard fascist <laughs> so much. Now it doesn't really, like, it kind of lost its meaning a little bit. If that's, Every, know, Everyone's a fascist. You're a say. fascist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Woo! We are a anti-fascist podcast. This is one of my favorite chapters from the first ones. Uh, where, we, where we, like, learning a lot about um, John Freeman. He's just so cool. Like, his outfit's cool. He's fucking cool. His like knowledge that we learn about later on is really cool. Like he just has a lot of just like really interesting connections and is a very unique character because he's so young in comparison mm-hmm. to the other chosen. Like who was is young, but she kind of like is indoctrinated by this mindset of just like the message. And he is like a believer, but also like not like super much like oh I have to help this bitch. Like no, I don't want to help her. Like. And he doesn't know I'm looking forward to the wolf to. Uh, and uh, I forgot I forgot his name. Fried, Friedman is I think is the last name. But Bro? No, the 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 prince, the crown prince. Well, like there's nine John Friedmans, John, I think John. they say. Like, Four, yeah, Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, yeah. That I'm I'm excited for the crown prince uh, his meeting with uh, Wolf because they were both raised by Chavoyo, so I don't know. Did they mention that here? Yeah, yeah. They mentioned yeah. they mention it in a. Okay, well, cool. it's heavily implied. Like they're okay. seen together, holding ha- I didn't. Yeah, wanna... holding hands as they, uh, as they uh, are like talking to Chavoyo somewhere. It's like in a flashback somewhere. Yeah, I think it's it's when they kill Chavoyo if it's not there. Okay, cool. That's it's definitely one of the more interesting. I I don't know if they mentioned it, but it's one of the more interesting relationships, and it's really fun. Um. I will say there's another part. Um, <laughs> John John Nine comes back, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and he has like a little like fake leg. Aww. It's it's really funny. It's it's one of the few times I laughed because he. I'm sorry for the spoiler, but he does shoot him again in the leg, and John is because he doesn't feel it. It's just like a robot part. He's like, "Are you like?" He's like, "Come on!" Like this is bullshit. <laughs> and it's like very like out of character for like the or out of writing style. It's kind of like a left turn. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like, okay, like, why? This is a joke, like an actual joke <laughs> written by, by him. Um, it's it's such like a weird, grandiose palace again here. Like, 
it's so big and massive. We don't even see the ceiling. Yeah, it's it's there. He's like, it's weird. It's cool, but like it's weird for sure. I think it's cool that we get like the weird city state style um, leadership, where like it's all sort of about money and 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 the the relationship to that with uh with this particular nation. Um, or at least that's how it's framed so far. But it also seems like they have a lot of luxury um, associated with themselves. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really cool how he plays his dad. Mm-hmm. Like, the dad could totally be like, I'm not going to fucking help these people. Like, I don't want to be them. And he's like, no, like, you taught me we should have people owe us stuff. So we should have them owe us. And then he's like, yeah, cool. Go buy yourself a nation. Like, I think it's a very cool, again, Super powerful, cool line. Um, the fight with Chavoyo does feel a bit crazy. Here's one of my favorite panels in the entire comic, too. Um, when Death shoots Crow, and like you can see her eyes in the remnants of the crow that Crow that was transforming. Yeah, that's just really cool. Yeah, um, you also get her mouth but, like, a if, little bit. If when he shapeshifts into like that giant beast, it feels really weird. Like. It kind of just happens out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, but Wolf is definitely like building him up to be like he's he's powerful and like seeing how powerful Wolf and Crow are, like it's just mm-hmm. kinda like, oh man, he must actually be like pretty intense. Yeah. This part was cool when like Crow picks up Death and like aims his gun for him. I thought that was like a really like it's just cool paneling. It doesn't really make too much sense, mm-hmm. but it's it's awesome. And then he like gets gored like incredibly terribly. <laughs> like it's it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, that, oh, here yeah. it is. Here's uh, page one thirty one. John and Wolf, and when they meet, it's very powerful. They definitely are like they grew up together. They spend a lot of time together. I think. It's just really cool. I think it is pretty cool how they treat like the different family dynamics of the nations and how kind of based in history they are. Like just how despite Wolf basically killing his father, he's still like at his side trying to like comfort him. Whereas like Mao just beheads <laughs> Shaolene Shao uh, beheads her father and just kind of calls it yeah for honor in, in particular right it's sort of like yeah. an honorable death and there's a lot of that like respect happening like death even says here like the only reason you're not dead immediately is because of your son right like he's I'm respecting him who respects you and that's how it is and like you can but they both like don't want things to happen but in the end it all comes back to like death doing whatever the fuck he wants and like killing whoever he needs to kill yeah i think uh i think there's an interesting tie into like one of the first messages you read somewhere which is like there's more that divides us than brings us together or it's like the things that divide us are stronger than the things that unite us and and i think that like yeah jesus yeah i think that like that that's the first thing you see after the three horsemen wake up uh, or are reborn um and i think like the whole political 
the political elements and like the family elements and the historical accuracy sort of like lends itself to like identifying this like socio-politicalness to it you know like everyone's getting placed in their Mm -hmm. specific spots um but at the end of the day you keep seeing like a family dynamic so it sort of feels like there's a little bit of unity in in terms of like i don't know like a family emotional connection so far i don't know i'm probably reading too deep into it but i'd be interested to see how they take it from there Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot about family too it's i mean death is looking for his son Mm. um there's like moments between other people uh sorry i got a sidetrack do you guys think crow is related to wolf I th- I thought that they were. I thought I heard sister. I thought they were sister. I thought it was sister yeah, brother. Yeah, but they're. I, because she's not there with him, and that could just be like a cultural thing. But there's a part I remember. I think it was in this on a Wikipedia yeah. page. Well, well, crow, crow, which well, wolf's lover. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know they both. Well, <laughs> I was like that's not who I how I imagined them. There's also I didn't really think they're related. Because, yeah yeah because like in at least right here the specific thing where he's comforting Javoyo, like i, I think crow, doesn't crow seem to... yeah she's very indifferent about everything mm-hmm. and there's also an element there there are a couple of other spots where crow uh wolf is talking about how he will follow crow and it has it's in a conversation about love. Um, I think it's when they realize that when they're about to enter the PRA um, and Wolf's like, love will make people do crazy things. And uh, yeah. And, and then he was like, including like follow someone wherever they go or something. And it like cuts to a picture of Crow. So I think that that makes sense. Mm. I think when I read that, it was definitely, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that one. That works out for me then. Um, <laughs> More on like the family thing though. It does really feel like, well, I don't know. I was picking up something that like the horsemen feel betrayed that like death left them to yes. be on his own. So I feel like that kind of feeds into the part of their like motivation. There, there's definitely a lot of um. It, it comes in more later, but like war is definitely the one that's most hurt by death leaving. Yeah, they like war and death are like it. It's a big part of it. Later. It they are also very emotional too. Like when that in the very beginning when they're killing all those soldiers. Oh yeah, and then they just like they're like, but there's only three of you, and then he they all kick his ass. They literally physically beat him up to death, basically. Yeah, super fun scene too because he's just like they're trying to have fun, and he's just like. Uh, but you fucked up. This is like, oh, like <laughs> this whole podcast is just me saying how fun this series is. So just go read this series, <laughs> audience. Um, I want to talk about my favorite page. Um, my favorite page is page one thirty three of volume two. Um, this sniper shot I think is so beautiful. I think it's super rad. It's I don't I don't know what it is about it that I love so much. If it's just like how powerful the characters are. If it's like this crazy spiral. Um. It's it's just so to me one of the best things I've ever seen when it comes to like art. Um, I had this as my background for like four years. I think <laughs> like when I started reading it up until like I had to get like a new phone 
and I didn't remember what chapter it was from. And then I came back to it and I found it again like another year later. Um, but yeah, I just had to really talk about that one. His skull up here getting like just shattered. His jaw being separate. Oh, so gross and cool. Um, this shot also is wild. Like how far we go back into the thing. Mm -hmm. And then seeing that he shot it through his dog. Like is really cool. <laughs> like his dog being like the, the actual rifle. Yeah. Um, well, means snipe somebody with a fucking cannon. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, but that's, I think I'm so happy I did to go into volume three where this happened. But um, that to me is volume two, and not much. I, I I don't have much else to say, like uh, from details about this, but I have, like general whole ideas. Uh, but you guys, please tell me how you guys feel about these two volumes, I guess, and where like where you think the story will go is a good question, I think, to ask. Manny. Okay. Um I'm so I really loved I think I think uh I really love the format of doing the two trades. Um by doing it, I really I got I got the lore dump that I I actually don't mind lore dumps uh so long as they they like build up in the first volume or the first trade, uh, which it did. It did had a had enough of like a payoff for me. Uh and the second one really helped like set the tone for what it feels like as a focus which is like it it really does feel like a focus on human nature a little bit because everything is so character driven so story driven um but and and that's not a bad thing because i actually really enjoy those types of uh stories so uh overall i really loved i loved it so far i'm i'm hoping that the series kicks it up a notch with its like absolute like otherworldliness um and i i know it has the potential to uh get a little bit more mystical get a little bit more uh involved with like like seeing the oracle there for example that's like a nice sort of uh mystical element to it um so i really like those elements i'm hoping that they kick up a notch i have a feeling that you know, the sun is going to play such a huge role, especially since now we know by the end of volume two that he is sort of aware that he's in danger, that they're they're like they're on the three horsemen are onto something that it seems like uh the sun already knows. Um and mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping there's a lot more tragedy in it, but from a perspective of like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but from the perspective of uh of this like really interesting relationship between like politics and mysticism and like just good character writing. So I, I think I'm sure it has that because the writing's great so far. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably pick up uh a th the third trade um eventually. Um or I'll download Hoopla and uh, actually use my library card <laughs> yeah uh definitely a lot of dread and like stuff like that happens and uh it's a lot of in typical people they it ends always with some hope at the end and it feels really good but it's yeah it's it's such a wacky ride what we go through like just tons of cool ups and downs andres yeah i mean I really liked what we read so far. I think uh, volume two is definitely what kind of sold me on it because mm 
while I don't mind lore dumps, it really isn't what gets me interested in reading things. Yes. Yeah. Like, had it just left off there, like, I don't know if I would have been super interested in reading it. Like, I probably would have just for the, like, sheer interest of seeing where it goes. But, mm-hmm. like, I think the way that the second one, second volume is shaped, how like people are actually kind of starting to get their comeuppance and you can see that there's consequences to everything that's happening where I'm not exactly sure exactly where it's going and with so much going on, it's kind of hard to even predict where it's going to go. Um, but I think it's very well written in that way where it's just kind of one of those things where I personally am like, well, I'll let the author handle this because (laughs) I don't, I don't really want to think too deeply when I know that there's more to come. Like, yeah, there's so much that we don't. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. There's this story is kind of like not like anything else. So trying to figure it out and then not be correct is a bit, a bit <laughs> much sometimes. Uh, again, one of my favorite series I've ever read. I hope I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to, if I do reread it again, I might actually just be like, hey, let's come back to it. And like, we've all read three volumes of at least more. So maybe we'll just do three this time and like get a big story or like, you know, we'll see how it goes. Depending yeah. if you guys actually read it or not, that's fine. <laughs> but um, it's super, it's super fun. It's, I love so many of these characters. I love the grandose wording of everything of how everything is like said with like the weight of the world hanging on it because the world is ending because it's the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So uh, please go read East to West. Um, go read more Jonathan Hickman. I think I'm gonna read. Maybe I'll meet Manhattan Products one more time to give it a chance. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's it for this episode. For me, um, do we have a recommendation for next week that we can that we can suss out, Manny? We do. Um, not sure how happy <laughs> you're going to be about it, but I know what it we is. We are taking a dive into Grave of the Fireflies, a Japanese animated war film done by Studio Ghibli or Ghibli, however you prefer to say that. Um. It is not for the faint of heart, uh, but there's a lot of beauty in it, um, and I'm really excited to dive into a variety of things about it, including including its tragedy, but but more importantly, its its human nature um, and the way it displays that. Uh, so it'll be really good. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's on Hulu. It might be on Hulu and Netflix, honestly. Yeah. It's it, everywhere. For for those who have HBO Max, uh, it, even though they have a Studio Ghibli um, collection up there, it is not up there because it's owned by Sentai Filmworks uh, for distribution Sentai. in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if anyone's actually looking to pick up the Blu-ray, it's on Sentai. 
Um, so shout out to Sentai for making Ooh. their anime film, their anime properties actually attainable on physical media. Yeah, that's why I'm really happy I can say that and people can actually find it. <laughs> uh, They're so super, those Sentai. Yeah, <laughs> they that's don't charge Power Rangers. They don't charge $200 for one volume of the show. <laughs> like, looking at you, Aniplex. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Grave of the Fire Flies will be good. Uh, watch it when you're not feeling sad. And uh, it will go better than you hope. Everyone. <laughs> Meaning. I high-key haven't seen a Ghibli film. So <laughs> whoa, you're yeah. like me a while ago. I watched um Princess Mononoke and I think that was the only one we watched. I we had plans to watch it at my old apartment, but it just never happened. I do want to watch Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. That one that one's like seems the most interesting and fun to yeah, me. Yeah, I out um, of I've seen every Ghibli film except the last four. Uh I've seen like 11 of them so far Ponyo. i haven't seen i've seen ponyo but like a long time ago i've been like watching them building up i was out of all of the ones that they're there that exist here i would either recommend grave of the fireflies which is our recommendation or i was thinking about pom poco uh which is uh a movie not many people oh. know about uh but it's i've never it's about tanuki who live in the forest and who are being pushed out from their forest i love tanuki Oh, Tanuki. Yeah, it's like it's a beautiful story about like um about like family and tradition and about uh Say the name again? Pom Poco. P O M P O K O. Um shout out to the eccentric family which is also a anime about Tanuki having to do with family and tradition. <laughs> uh, shout out to uh, let me find out the one I'm reading about that has a Tanuki in it. Oh, keep vamping while I go take. Uh, yeah, it's a great story. There's a lot of like magical realism in it, and there's also a lot of tragedy in it, which is again, I I have my happy places in sadness for some strange reason. Um, but it's a really good film. Yeah, I think I just need a lot of hugs, honestly. Um, but Pompoko is great. It's super underrated. Like I, I never hear anyone mention Palm Poco. Like I, no one. Everyone mentions, you know, all of the br- brilliant Miyazaki films, but never like never Palm Poco. Someone give Palm Poco some love. I, I we're not gonna do sure. Palm Poco on this pod probably, but we'll do Palm Poco next year, next week. We'll do Palm Poco. No, we're not doing Palm Poco it's next. My, week. It's my turn to. Like, <laughs> We'll do Next it. time we're gonna replace it. <laughs> we're not replacing no. it. <laughs> we are not. Re- Even my mom told me to watch *Grave of the Fireflies*. Hey, <laughs> your mom told you to watch *Grave of the Fireflies*? Well, she she was watching it on Christmas <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's like that's so sad. We literally, both me and my brother, were just kind of like, you you know what this movie is about, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> we're like okay <laughs> like, it's not a happy one no it's intense uh yeah it's it'll be it'll be fine though lexi um i promise uh as consolation for doing grave of the fireflies i will do something that's very happy the next next round for myself 
Do you mean Palm Poco, the comedy drama by Studio Ghibli? No. Uh, we can do it. I'm like one. more interesting to see what Manny says is very happy. <laughs> yeah, so. that's kind of like going to be I'll, so. I'll keep it as a secret. I'll, I'll, fi- I'll find it and then we'll do it. <laughs> sure. Prominent... He'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> On the Wikipedia for Pompoco, prominent scrotums are an integral part of Tanuki folklore. And they are shown and referred to throughout the film and also used frequently in the shapeshifting. This remained unchanged in the DVD release. Though the English dub, but not the subtitles, refers to them as raccoon pouches. That's exactly what they. That's how they refer to them in the in the sub. Uh, that's adorable. Yeah. Um, I'm reading this manga called uh, Renjo Desperado Love Story Desperado, where this it's like a theme. It's like a western again, like a, a samurai western, and she finds a tanuki, and they just explain his the testicles today. Like <laughs> when I was reading through it. And he, he like shapeshifts into like her. And then he's like, Oh, thank God. Like, we're fine. And he goes, What was that? Well, I made my testicles look like your face. She's like, That's not cool, man. <laughs> Don't do that <laughs> shit. Okay. Well, uh, before we head out, um plugs? Any plugs? Uh follow the Twitter and Instagram. I I was trying to do something on facebook and found out that the account i made got like banned (laughs) i'm not sure why but uh yeah i even made a myspace today for no reason but the website's so broken that i was trying to upload like a picture and it wouldn't let me so (laughs) (laughs) oh no i swear to god i read somewhere justin Timberlake owns part of MySpace. That's such a bad business decision. <laughs> MySpace isn't used for anything anymore. So, if I'm it, gonna plug MySpace. If I can actually get the MySpace to work, I will post stuff on there <laughs> just for the memes. Oh my god! Please post. Um, please make. I'm plugging MySpace. Follow me. Put me in your top eight. <laughs> That's my plug. For uh, I plug. Uh, um, thinking about big tanuki balls for your entire week, and watching *Grave of the Fireflies*. Rec- raccoon pouches. Okay, we're done, guys. We'll see you next time on *Raccoon Pouches Incorporated*. Johnny. <laughs>